0: You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. I'm Chuck Kennedy, so welcome here today. And those who are at home, we're so glad you popped in. You know, people at home, they don't always watch at the same time. Some of them see us in the middle of the night. So we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit blesses your home whenever you kick us on and blesses you. Today, we're going to do something a little tiny bit different. We're just going to look at one psalm and kind of examine it the way that the Lord's heart kind of touches us with it. Uh, We're going to do Psalm 19. Psalm 19, what makes this so beautiful for me is it's a revelation of how God releases uh, his heart to us in different forms of communication. And we're called to look up at nature into the sky and also look down into his word. And so David sees both of these as equal. Um, Both as prophetic, and by prophetic, that's God's heart released to us. You know, oftentimes we think the prophetic is something that's a foretelling of things to come, and, and oftentimes is, but what the prophetic really does is it clears our vision of the present and gives grace now to make way for the future. So when you get a prophetic word, grace is being put on you right now for that prophetic word to come about. So we we don't become inactive when we hear this. So when we see these, these things that God's speaking to us, he's saying, this is not to be put off, it's now. So first of all, I just wanna start by reading. Usually I pray right now. Psalm 19 is a prayer in itself. So I just wanna start by reading Psalm 19. I'm using the New King James Version because Ooh, yeah. Marcus told me I had to. <laughs> <laughs> so, the King James Version is a legendary one. The, the legendary King James Version. So the, to the chief musician, a Psalm of David, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork or the work of his hand. Day unto day utters speech, night unto night reveals knowledge. No speech nor language, their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoices like a strong man to run his race. It's rising is from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other end, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is pure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are right, are, are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yeah, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is, is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from my secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless. I shall be innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Some say, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So verses 1 through 6 tell us that the vast expanse of heaven cries out to us. That God's communicating on a level that cannot be articulated. There's speech that is not speech. There's not voice or sound, but it's heard through the entire earth. When you read those, it sounds confusing. He's saying, this is a different language. Verse 4 says, their line has gone out through the earth. Some translations say the word line, they put sound. But what it's an image of is a musical instrument of a single chord from a layer or or, or whatever. And so every ray of sun is a different note or a different chord. The beauty of that is extraordinary and it travels through the whole earth. So this is not communication, it just transfers information. God speaks to the ears and the eyes of our hearts and to the inner man, our inner man. God's word, the word of God is spoken in the sun, the clouds, and the sky of the night, by the moon and stars and galaxies, I'm sorry, by the sun and clouds of the day, and by the moon and stars and the galaxies of the night. We see mathematical precision of time, movement, and light. Even space, that void of nothingness, is actually something. It has dimension, it has properties, it has volume, it has history. Space is not nothingness in God's creation. The law of physics, astronomy, and quantum theory are all finely tuned by the work of his hand. The very character of God is expressed in his scientific laws of infinity, motion, and perfection. We see the loving and unrelenting, unrelenting pursuit of God. Even as we may hide from his light, he insists that we feel his warmth. Then David moves to verses 7 through 10 to show how the spoken word, her, the, the heard word of God, is equally beautiful. That the prophetic word of God and the beauty from God brings us into God's character and grace into a place of desire and love. And then finally, David's response, our response in verses 12 through 14, leads us to be acceptable in His sight. You know, the philosopher Immanuel Kant, he said, two things fill my soul with wonder: the starry heaven above and the moral law within." Kant was an interesting philosopher, by the way. He was part of the, in the 18th century, late 18th century. And it was a time of the Enlightenment period. The unfortunate thing is people wrote more about what they think Kant said and twisted what Kant actually said. And so, so he, was, he, was not, he was not an atheist like most of the Enlightenment philosophers were. So just kind of an interesting guy. But I just thought that was a perfect quote for this psalm. I just, I never, anyway, I just wanted to know how many of us have ever felt the amazement that moves us beyond words, whether it be nature or his word? You know, if you approach a man from a material point of view, he'll look terribly insignificant. But if you view him from the spiritual point of view, he's, he's a real wonder. You know, every nuanced expression of nature is a finger pointing to God. The works of his hand lie open right next to the, the book of his truth. One volume is illustrations, and the other is inspired principles. The two go perfectly hand in hand. And, and David is expressing that right here. So in Psalms 19, we get a double volumes bearing witness to the, the Creator. You know, the witness to the heavens, in the clear, dry air, of the desert regions, the heavens shine with a unique brilliance. They don't have the humidity, they don't have the, they just look differently. And to David or a shepherd, uh, every starry night, it was a lesson in the wonders of God. Whether it be, you know, they didn't have TV, they didn't have radio, they didn't even have books. And so from a rooftop or from a field, the sky was very intimate. And it was personal, and it was an inspiration for song and poetry. This great witness to the creation and perfection is silent. And it's in the silence that puts such remarkable emphasis on the testimony of the heavens. For silence is the great law of the universe. It's silent. Be still and know that I am God. The witness is also universal in its reach and influence. The stars preach a gospel of divine law and power, and it causes us to fall in reverence, just fall in reverence and awe. So powerful is this witness that mankind must guard against the temptation to worship the created instead of the creator. Because it's so vast and amazing. But man, made in the likeness of God, is not measured by the physical but by moral standards. The moral law written on the heart and the soul has brought man into fellowship with the infinite. So the psalm just kind of quickly banks and turns as David remembers the glory of the Torah. So we've got this picture that, that, that moves from the sun awakening in joyful, youthful man. That is racing like an athlete from one end of the horizon to the other, and his ardent love is f- filling every hill and valley with warmth and heat, and that even the timid and the or the bold are receiving this. That's the picture of the East giving, and from that we see that the sun, in what it in the natural world, bringing light and growth is the law of God in the spiritual world, where he's revealing moral darkness and energizing the life of the souls. By building in a series of properties and results, David unfolds the nature of the word of God. It's perfect for change to restoration. It's sure and steady to make wise. The glory of righteousness causes our hearts to rejoice. The purity of the Lord we have eyes to see, and from the glory of the word, we in awestruck wonder of his enduring promises and permissions, we look into our hearts, because that's what the law is, promises and permissions. God's judgments are true, but not so much true that they're factually accurate, it's true like a carpenter's plumb line. It gives us something to orient, to build onto it righteousness, that we can live in far from being feared the treasure their treasures to our heart the words of God and their sweetness upon our lips they keep us alert keeping us watchful so that we cannot fail to receive the reward then we stay on course and run our race to win the prize nature preaches with eloquence from age to age, and it draws our mind from the visible to the invisible, from the material to the spiritual, and it takes ourselves to the eternal God. Nature as a preacher is the word in brushstrokes. Nature reveals the being in God. Nature's vastness reveals the immensity of God. Nature reveals the unchangeableness of God. Nature's design reveals the wisdom of God. Nature's purity reveals the holiness of God. Nature's beauty and variety reveals the love of God. While the word, as a preacher, is called by a lot of different names. We've got law, testimony, um, statutes, commandments, fear of the Lord, judgment. But it's released by a heart that's perfect Established, it's righteous, it's arrows straight, and it's precious. I know that for several of you, nature speaks out to you and it speaks the plain, the plan, and the truth. It speaks to your everything, to your heart. And God's word is also very, very intimate. You know, Michelle, she has cardinals. And while watching these birds interact with each other and, and with their surroundings, God speaks to her of his protection, of, of his provision, his release from burdens and moving into freedom. Now, Kathy Fager's not here today. She's at home watching, but she loves to camp. She loves to just immerse herself in nature. See, from her vantage point, she, she moves from a God of visitation to a God of indwelling. She lives in the nature. And so it's he and her and her and him. And she's surrounded by his creation and touch. Now, Rick B., he hears God's word and he needs to sing. And, you know, God speaks a nuanced language to him. In his word, he can be overwhelmed in glory and nearly at the same time, ever so sweetly being kissed on the cheek, all through the word of God. And some of us, it's both. A lot of us, it's both. We had a slide up there earlier during one of the songs of Mount Rainier. That was, that was, when I took that picture, I just remember it was like, God just said, just looked at me, and went, it's like, behold. That's all he had to say. You know, by the way, you know what behold means is, look at it through my eyes. So when someone, when you hear God, Jesus say, "Behold," it means see it through my eyes. Don't see it through your eyes. See it through mine. So when he says, "Behold," he's saying, "Look what I did." I'm like, "Cool." <laughs> you know, I it's funny. After I finished writing all this yesterday, I was looking at some YouTube's of different pastors and stuff. I, I saw an English pastor that was talking about being stuck in, in his prayer life, and he thought, "I'm just going to go out for a walk," and he was in a busy city, and in England. And and he's walking along, and it's like God told him, stop right here and look at this tree. So he stopped and started staring at the tree. And he said it was a little bit odd because people were starting to come come around him like, you know, (laughs) thought thought maybe he was having a psychological moment or something. But suddenly he just saw this beauty that just he couldn't describe. He said he was overwhelmed. He goes, I'm in a city street. There are horns honking all around me. There's people walking up and down the street, and I'm staring at a tree. And it's like, and people go, what are you looking at? And he goes, nice tree. God did that. And he goes, I walked along. But he said it was unstuck. You know, God's presence is, is always in us, through us, surrounding us. And, and the prayer, we're always led to prayer when we get that presence. We get that awestruck presence. That prayer leads us to submit. And it, it leads us to return to our identity under the authority of the Lord. You know that when we face, when we turn our face to the Lord, no other authority can step in. And that's what this psalm says. He's asking for permission against the dominion. Protection against the printed dominion. Turns his face back so that he doesn't have to see it. See, we're in the new covenant. We're saved. We don't go slaughter a bunch of bulls because we've, we've messed up. We turn our face back to the Lord. And he takes away any other dominion over us. You know, the, the majesty and the glory of God's creation and the majesty and glory of God's word allows for just no other authority in our lives We have the truth in our lives, and we see this. Actually, I wanted us to read the the last couple of verses of this. Verses 12 through 14 together, and out loud. And if you want, I think it's a good idea to stand up. We're going to proclaim this part of this psalm. I think it's it's an important part, because now that we've come into a place where we feel the power and the glory of God to proclaim this to him, So I'll start reading. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret fault. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless. I shall be innocent of great transgressions. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. There's an important word there. It doesn't say found not guilty. It says innocent. You didn't get off the hook. The crime never happened. You were innocent. And being innocent in the Lord is really, really so important. Different than being found not guilty. I love that. You know, oftentimes we kind of get stuck, stuck and we feel like we don't hear from the Lord anymore. And I want to change, suggest that you have a change of venue that, and you listen for a new language. A new language. Take a walk and look around. And something insignificant may catch your eye and just stand and wait. You ever have that happen? Well, out of the corner of your eye you see something and maybe it's just a single flower. Stand and wait a little bit. Or other times you round the bend and... There it is. And you're awestruck. And just allow that time. Spend time there. Or maybe go to a section of the Bible that, quite frankly, you find really boring. But read every word slowly and contemplate what God's saying specifically to you in that word at that time. Or the other one I think is, for me, is really one of the most valuable ones, is to read a prayer that one of the apostles has written. Paul has lots of prayers. And read them out loud. The Bible's a book meant to be read out loud. So if you're stuck, read that out loud. Every single word. Enunciate every word. Think about what every word is. When you hear the word every, what's he saying? Every. You know, when he says, you know, the, there are certain words we send, kind of skip over. And as you listen, read every word, it's like, wow. Because Paul's crazy. Paul, every single word has an incredible meaning. We all know that when he says, therefore, that means something. If if he says, but, that means something. Everything means something. Every word is valuable. And then, if you're still stuck, grab somebody and then go with them. Read with them. And discuss with one another what you're seeing. And say, you know, That other person might go, oh, look at this. Look at that squirrel. And you're like, squirrel? Oh, then suddenly you're you're watching this, and it becomes interesting. And you hear God speak to you. You never saw it. Or reading a word, and all of a sudden they say, oh, my goodness. I never heard this before. Did you notice that it said this? And I go, no. That's what makes Bible study so great. To spend time with somebody. You know, today we're going to take communion. Actually, right now we're going to take communion. And I want, right, as we're taking communion, I want to begin with a heightened awareness right now of the presence of God. You know, we've been praising the Lord with song. And then, actually, we've been praising his word all through this. The Holy Spirit, the presence of God is here right now. And so we're going to praise him with a remembrance of his body and his blood. And the sacrifice of the new covenant. So I got mine here. I hope Michelle was right on this. Uh, Oh, there's a little doodad there atop. (laughs) Last week I tore the whole thing off the first try. For those of you who are Catholic, this kind of looks familiar. So... As we take His body, there's a, that's a wonder all in itself. Think about this for a second. God took on flesh; the Word became flesh, so that He could be the mediator of the new covenant as human. That the Son of Man has come to seal the new covenant in His blood. We're the the incarnation that was decided. Ages and ages and ages before the creation of the earth. Because God knew everything. That as he started the creation, Jesus already knew that he was going to do this. So when we take his body, the body that was broken for us. Recognize that that body still lives and reigns in heaven. Mediating on your behalf. Mediating a perfect new covenant on your behalf. So we take this in Jesus' name. Now we take the cup that represents the blood of Christ. The blood that sealed the new and everlasting covenant for the forgiveness of sin. The blood that was. It was on that cross that when it, it had all of sin poured upon it and it was buried and then he rose again. But the sin stayed there that as we take his cup, we're reminded of the new covenant of our own death to self and the resurrection, the new person or new creation in Christ. And so we take this and we say, Jesus Fill us with the power of your blood, the life of the blood, and we take this in Jesus' name. This is a perfect time as you're taking communion to think of an experience you had very recently of Christ in your life. Attach it to your communion that Jesus died for you to give you life, that his presence was released at his resurrection, and at Pentecost, that every single one of us are tabernacles of the Holy Spirit. How beautiful is the joy to know that God is everywhere we see. Whether it be a flower growing up between the cracks of the cement, or a beautiful flower shop and arrangements, whether it's just a single word, like Mary heard, She heard her name and recognized who said that. When Jesus rose from the dead and she didn't know who he was, and he said, Mary. You know, one word changed her life. He's saying your name today. He's saying Linda. He's he's saying, he's, he's saying Ray. He's saying Rick to a whole lot of people. Let's just let us meditate on that for a moment. God is calling your name today. He's been calling your name out on the trip in. You, you passed fields of corn, of trees, of birds, of beauty. You walked in and you saw one another and you saw the Holy Spirit dwelling in your presence in the faces of our friends here as a body of Christ. you have got a unique experience. It's a joy. So Father, we're just going to give you thanks today for this. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your compassion. We ask that we continue to see you in in such a variety of places and ways that that we can be attentive to listen to your various forms of communication. That we can literally hear and understand what two birds are tweeting about because we, we hear the same joy that we, in the incredibly quiet of space, we hear your ever-so-still voice. Jesus, we thank you, and we love you, and we cherish you. We thank you for your creation, and we thank you for your word. But most of all, we thank you for your very person. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.